Hey, so I want you guys to go ahead and get turned to a few passages of Scripture because we're going to be in the Word a lot, okay? So go ahead and turn to Proverbs 6. Just put a finger there. Proverbs 6. Also turn to Colossians 1. Okay, you're going to need to get to Colossians, all right? And then we're going to be in Corinthians a couple of times and different places. So we get in the Word a lot, okay? So go ahead and turn there. So my sermon in a my I didn't do a sermon in a sentence, but I did do a sermon title. Okay, and it's this: it's called out and living by His Word. Okay, so how many of you guys know or needed the reminder of what our word was for 2017? Because most of us don't, but it was to be called out that we are being called out. And what's awesome is that we've been hearing amazing testimonies from people right and left all the time. It's a constant theme of that the Lord has been calling them out, calling them out in their sin, calling them out in their, in their courage, calling them out in their gifting to move forward, to make brave decisions, just being called out. And it's kind of a hurt so good kind of feeling, right? You're like, man, it really, ooh, I got called out on that, but oh, it hurt and it felt good and it's so right. So it's been awesome to hear that and to know what God's been. I mean, we just get to hear the testimonies, Tony and I do, um, because being the pastors, but it's just so awesome to, to know that the Lord is really living out that word because the Lord knows how to call us out, doesn't he? This is like part of the steady theme in the gospel narrative from, from Genesis to Revelations, right? He called out Abram. He called out the children of Israel. He called out the church, all right, in the New Testament. In fact, I wanted to give you guys a definition. The church in the New Testament, when you read that, especially in Paul's epistles, when he, he starts talking about the church, that Greek word there is ekklesia. Okay? So you are the ekklesia. And it literally means a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place. You've been called out. I mean, just by being here, you're part of a calling out. And it's that calling out that we're living under today. In that New Testament narrative of the New Testament church, of the gospel going forth, and he's like, he called people out. And we live under that same thing, but it isn't always easy. It's not always easy to live this very called out life. And Jesus talked to his disciples about this in John, in chapter 15. And he says this, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. It's not always easy to live a called out life. If it hates you, remember it hated me first. The world would love you, as one of its own, if you belong to it, but you are no longer a part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. There it is again, right? Come out of the world. He called you to come out of the world, and you haven't been called out to a desolate place. You haven't been called out to a lonely place. You haven't been called out to a desperate place. When the Lord calls you out of something, he's calling you into something better. It's like when he rescues you from sin, he doesn't just rescue you from sin. He rescues you to himself. When he calls you out of the world, he's calling you out of darkness and into his kingdom. He's calling you out of darkness and into his life. So in his light, so you aren't just called from something and said, okay, come out of there and you're on your own to figure out where to go and how to be. He gives us really specific instructions about his kingdom and what it looks like to live in his kingdom, what it looks like to live called out, all right? So I want you guys to turn to Colossians chapter one. Hopefully you're there. And I love this book because it's a beautiful blend of theology and practice. It takes biblical theology of how to live and then how to practice it. 
It's awesome, okay? And I feel like in a lot of ways it could say Church of Soma 2017. Like this is a letter to the Church of Soma. You'll read it and we'll read it today and you think, man, that sounds like Soma Church. And it's a strong reminder that Christ must always be preeminent in our Christian affection and in our worship. And that's what he's um, exhorting the people in, of Colossae with. So let's read that together, all right? We are going to read plenty of the words. You're going to get the word in your heart tonight, okay? Let's read starting in chapter 3. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. Everybody say good news. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. When the good news goes out, which we know as the gospel, when the gospel goes out into the world, it bears fruit. And that fruit is changed lives. Lives that were living one way and now living another That's what it's saying that the gospel does, what the good news does. Just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. How many of you guys, by quick raise of hand, you've lived your lives a little differently since you got called out of the world and into the light? You're a little different, right? Just a little bit different. Some, you're like, well, it was just last week. I'm still working on some changes. Teenagers are like, hmm, getting there. Some of the adults are like, yeah, a little different feeling a little different, but he says that. You've been changed since the day you heard. Verse seven, you learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved coworker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then The way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Let me ask you guys a really easy question. Is this pointing to, is it describing a stagnant life, or is it describing a life that went from one thing to the new thing? It's describing someone who's changing, who's growing, who's producing fruit. And he's saying, that's what the gospel does. That's what it's meant to do in our lives. Verse 11, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you may need. How many of you guys need a little bit of endurance and patience? Okay, if you have children, your hands should have, both hands should have been raised. Okay, you're gonna need this. And he says, may you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us. Say that word, transferred. Moving from one place to the other, all right? Not just taken, called out of one place, but transferred into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And I love it. Becca didn't know what I was teaching on. Her her set list was exact. It was exact. 
It was exactly what the Lord and the Holy Spirit was speaking this week as I was preparing that was on her heart to lead you guys into the presence of the Lord. Down to her exhortation, she starts praying this passage of scripture. I was like, did she read my notes? She's reading out of Colossians. And what's awesome is she was reading a hymn, reading out of a hymn. And so get this. I want you to imagine that Paul wrote a letter to this church Okay, he wrote a letter and then he starts with the the person reading it out loud starts reading right here in verse 15. Well, guess what? You would start recognizing it because it was a song. It was a it was a hymn that they learned and they taught each other to be able to teach others the gospel through this. So he would have started reading this. Someone at the church of Colossae would have started reading this and they would have all been like break, break out in song like high school musical. It would have been awesome. They probably had dances to it and movements, all right? That's verses 15 through 20. But I want to pick up in verse uh, 19. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross This includes you who were once far away from God. So you were one place, you were far away from God and you were his enemies and you were separated from him by your evil thoughts and your actions. Yet now you were there, you were an enemy and you had these evil thoughts and you weren't living for him. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. He took you out of somewhere and he brought you into something. He brought you into his presence. He didn't just say, come out of the darkness. He said, come into the light. Come into his presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. What is so awesome And what this reinforces for us is that we need the gospel as much now in our lives as the day that we heard it and got saved. The gospel message, the good news, is not just upon salvation. It is teaching us and it is instructing us on how to live our lives. But the greater message, the greater message of the gospel, and Becca even talked about this, she even said this word, is that it's true reconciliation, True reconciliation is going to come through the gospel. If you want to see some reconciliation in a relationship, you've got some strained relationships, it's the gospel that needs to be brought between the two people. If we want to see nations reconciled, it's the gospel that brings down the dividing wall of hostility, right? I mean, we're quoting scripture right now. If we want to see reconciliation between races and ethnic groups, it's the gospel, that will bring the reconciliation that we're looking for. Right here, he is the one who gave it to us. You guys turn to 2 Corinthians 5. You're in Colossians, so just go back just a little bit. I want to read something to you. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 11 through 21. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. 
God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. He's saying, hey, I'd rather us have a sincere heart than a spectacular ministry. He's like, if you want a reason to brag, you brag about a sincere heart. That's what we're going to brag about, you guys. Verse 13, if it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. How many of you guys know you're just a little bit crazy? Just gotten a little bit crazy. Someone asked me, how do you do it? How do you raise four kids? I'm like, you just got to embrace crazy. You just, you just got to be a little crazy. It's okay. All right, verse 14, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Keep following along. Verse 16, you guys. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Read that again. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. That was the old way that we lived. To evaluate others from our human point of view. From our carnal thinking. It goes, remember we read earlier that it's from our evil thoughts. We don't, we got pulled out of that, remember? We got transferred into a new way of thinking. He said at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now, right? How differently we know that gospel gets a hold of our lives and we see things a little differently, don't we? This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Verse 18, and all of this is a gift from God, all of it, who brought us back to himself through Christ. He brought us back. Are you guys catching the theme? You were in one place, you've been brought to another place. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. We have been given this message. The gospel message has been imparted into our hearts and into our minds. The message of reconciliation, you know what it means to reconcile? It means to exchange from one way to another. It also means an adjustment of a difference, to adjust that. And it means to restore. That's what God has given us through the gospel. Now you tell me, class, does the gospel matter today as much as it did 2,000 years ago? It should matter more. It should matter more to us. That we are ministers of that. That we are messengers of this gospel of reconciliation. God to man and man to man. That we can reconcile, all right? The gospel causes us to look very different from the world. It causes us to act different from the world. It causes us to think different from the world. It causes us to live and to respond differently than the world would respond. That's what the gospel message does in that. This is what's awesome. It's not subculture. He didn't say, listen, he didn't say to us, 
I've called you out of darkness into 50 shades of gray. Did he? That's subculture. That's just a sub of what culture says. Pick your shade of gray. Just stay somewhere in that. No, what did he say? I've called you from darkness into light. It's extreme. You look different when the gospel gets a hold of your life. You think, you respond, you react, you interact with people differently. But unfortunately, what happens is, is when we move somewhere, how many of you guys have moved from house to house before? Probably everybody in this room. And you pack up boxes, right? You do have a big garage sale, right? You have a big garage sale or you have a big donation pile. But do you not bring things from one home to another home? We tend to hold on to things, don't we? These little things that are important and sacred, and that's not wrong in this carnal life that we live in. But you know what we tend to do in our hearts? We get a hold of the gospel and we want to hang on to a way of thinking. We want to hang on to an attitude. We want to hang on to a prejudice. We want to hang on to a cultural norm. And the Lord said, that ain't what I called you to stay into. You let go of that. This is a new life, a new way of thinking. We are meant to be counterculture to the world. That's what he's saying. It, the world's going to hate you people, but it hated me first. It would love you if you stayed in it. Did you know that? It would love you if you stayed in it and you represented it, the world. It would be like, I love you. You're so awesome, but it's going to hate you because you got called out of that. We've been called to be set apart, to be consecrated, to be the ecclesia. And what I'm so pumped about you guys, starting next week, I'm going to put a plug in. Pastor Tony is starting our fall series, and it's called Reaching the Remnant, and it's a study of Daniel. Don't miss Saturday nights. Don't miss it. It is an appointed time for us as a church to hear this message, to hear this series, to know how do we live consecrated? How do we live set apart? You're not going to get to heaven and and be able to say, I didn't know. Well, I didn't know. Nobody told me. We're telling you. We're going to tell you how. And the word of God does such an awesome job of teaching us. How are we doing? How are we doing as we live this called out life? I kept thinking of the state of the union address that the president gives that nobody watches anymore. You're like, man, is this true? It's hard to know what's true. And I kept thinking, how are we doing? We are not going nine months into a word of God called out. How are we doing? The best way. There's no better way to answer that question than to bump your life up against the revealed word of God. It's the word of God that teaches us. I teach Bible at my kids' school. I teach sixth grade Bible and ninth and tenth grade Bible. And it doesn't matter if you've had me for years or if this is your first time, the first scripture memory out of the chute. They go to school on Monday. They have this memorized by Friday. All right, it's this next scripture. It's second Timothy 4, 13, 16 through 17, 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is inspired by God and it is useful to teach us what is true. Let's all read this together. Can you see it? Ready? All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Come on, you guys. I got a, I got a a text message from a mom, a sixth grade mom. And she said, I cannot tell you what just the scripture memory for week one has done in my child's life. 
Not like this mom has not been telling this kid this since the womb, okay? But something clicked in this, in this kid's mind. And he said to his mom, did you know that the whole Bible is true and it's useful? And she's like, hmm, that's fascinating, son. You parents, you know that feeling whenever you've only been drilling this into them and they come from a, some other source and they, they're suddenly, they're, you know, Plato. And they've made all of these amazing discoveries and you're like, I've only been telling you that since you were two months old. But it's awesome. This is what that word did. It teaches us what is true. The word is true and it shows us right here. We need the correction, don't we? We need the correction. We need to know what's wrong. But it doesn't just say that. It doesn't just say, hey, I'm going to come and with my word of God, I'm going to tell you what's all wrong in y'all's lives. I'm going to tell y'all, come out of darkness. It doesn't just say that. It also says, but I'm also going to show you to do what is right. It's not just not saying come out of darkness and, and then blindly fly, fill your way through. And I hope, cross our fingers, I hope you get where you're supposed to be. He says, no, I've given you instructions right here. The word is our searchlight. Did you know in Psalms 119, that's the longest book in the Bible, chapter in the Bible, Psalms 119. Every single verse has something about the word of God. It's pre, the precepts, the commands, the testament, and multiple references, many references of the word being our light and our lamp and our guidance in the darkness. That's what the word of God does. It's meant to search out those places in our hearts. We've been called out, and we've even prayed, God, call me out. It's the word of God that does that. You guys turn to Proverbs 6. I told you to have a finger there, something. Get it tagged. 620. Follow along. My son, obey your father's commands and don't neglect your mother's instruction. Keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, their counsel will lead you. When you sleep, they will protect you. When you wake up, they will advise you for their command is a lamp and their instruction, a light. Their corrective discipline is the way to life. And he's, he's paralleling the father's and the mother's instruction with his word of God, because you know what he's also referring to Deuteronomy six, teach these commands to your children. Talk about them as you walk. When you sit down, when you rise, when you go to sleep, make it a daily, all day occurrence that you're talking about these things. And this meta, it's metaphorically saying and comparing like your parents' instructions, that's like the word of God. The word of God, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lamp. It's going to give you instruction. It's going to be corrective discipline. But we don't like it, do we? It's hard to embrace corrective discipline in our lives because why? It's not fun, is it? It's not fun. We don't always want the calling out, but the Lord's like, hey, this is part of the gospel. I reconciled you. We got to make an exchange. We got to change things up here. We need the word to guide us through these dark days that we have. Everybody hold up your right hand. In class, I say you're right. This, this is like the old covenant law. The Old Testament right here. Did you know in the Mosaic law, there are 613 commands on how to live your life? 613 of those bad boys. And people are like, ooh, we're free from that law. We're free from it. We're under grace now. Like, 
We got grace. You can put your right hand down. We're under the, the, the law of grace, and so we don't have all those commands. Did you know that the covenant of grace that Jesus brought through the Spirit didn't lower the standard for our lives, but raised it exponentially? Do you realize that? Raise your left hand. This is the New Testament. Right hand's Old Testament, left hand's New Testament. Did you know there's 1,050 commands on how to live in the New Testament? Jesus said this, and you can put your hands down. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 17. Don't misunderstand why I, why I have come. I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Put your hands together. That's what the Old Testament and the New Testament do for us. They work together. They come together. If you're opening a jar of pickles, are you using one hand? When you're mowing the yard or you're like, I love my left hand tied behind my back. Aiden, when you're clipping those dog's toenails, are you thinking, I really want to do this one-handed? When you're trying to administer medicine to a baby, are you thinking, one hand's good? Changing a diaper, how about that? One hand, I love it. Changing a diaper with one hand. In life, we like having two hands, don't we? And this is what the Lord is saying to us. He's like, yes, Both laws are important, but listen, grace raised the ante. It upped the ante in our lives. 1,050 New Testament commands in our lives. So many, I want you guys to listen, there are 69 headings, and I'm about to read them all to you. You ready? They're up on the board. But what's awesome is here in a few minutes, you're going to have these texted to you. All right. Number one or I'm not even going to say number one, I'm just going to start rattling these bad boys off. There are seven abstains, abstain from, three asks, 74 Bs, seven things to avoid, two things to awake to, 30 be nots, 14 bewares, four things to believe, one thing not to believe, two classes to bless, three things to cast out or away, two classes to comfort, six six classes to honor, Five things to charge, five things to consider, three things to continue in. Two things to covet, one thing not to cast away, two things to endure, whom to fear, three things not to fear, five things to feed, four things to flee, ten do's, ten do nots, ten things to follow, seven things about giving, six things to lay aside, seven things to keep, five goes. You guys hanging in there? Seven halves, 14 holds, 100 lets, 12 lets not, 42 let us, eight let us not, three ways to live, four commands to love, two things not to love, three ways to love, one person to pray to, three things to pray for, two ways not to pray, three ways to pray, four things to prove, two commands to rejoice, eight put away, six put offs, 12 put on. One class not to rebuke, three things to rebuke, two ways to rebuke. Four things to rejoice in, five things to remember, four things to seek, one command to stand fast, three things to stand fast with, five things to stand in, eight things to think on, one way to think, five commands to submit, 12 takes, 18 take heeds, two ways not to walk, four thou shalt, eight thou shalt not, seven things to walk in, 200 miscellaneous commands, two eternal rights of the redeemed. 
Isn't that powerful? Come on, you can clap for that. The teacher in me wanted this printed out and in all your hands, okay? But pastor said, let's just text it to him, okay? So that PDF file is coming to you. I would print that thing out, print it out. It's like we're getting called out. Let's see what the word of God, the revealed word of God says to us. How are we supposed to live this life? How are we supposed to look different, act different, think different, respond different? I'm pretty sure that list tells us, right? It's got it going. Taking it back to Colossians, one of the things that I loved is he said, we need complete knowledge of his will and spiritual wisdom and understanding so that, everybody say that, so that, so that. You can get puffed up in your knowledge? No. So that you can live in a way that honors and pleases the Lord. We must continue to believe this truth. That's what verse 23 said in Colossians 1. Continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. We don't drift away from this. Now's not the time in history to drift away from this. Now is the time more than ever for the gospel, the good news, to be appropriated in our hearts and in our relationships that it's sent out to the world. That's why you go or you give, that you support. You make sure that that gospel is being brought out and being brought forth. And I wanted to close with this. I didn't tell Becca, and I don't even know if she's in here, but I would love for the worship team to come back up if you can. Do the first song because it was perfect. There are two things that we are to awaken to. I wanted to bring up those two things because here's the, here's the deal, you guys. The enemy would love for the world to stay asleep and not awaken to the gospel. The, the enemy would love for us to all nod off here in these last days as the day of the Lord approaches. He would really love for us to get complacent to get fearful, to hide, to grow discontent. But the Spirit of the Lord says, you got to wake up. There are two things you awaken to. You awaken to righteousness and you awaken to life. That's what we awaken to. Would you guys stand with me? We're going to have a time of ministry, and I know we have been offering three ways for you to have personal ministry. One is communion is open. Go make things right. Man, is, the, is communion the gospel or what? It is the gospel. And he's like, you eat. Eat of me. Eat. Appropriate that. So we invite you. You want to respond that way, but also the altar is open for you. This is a good question to ask. How am I doing in this called out life? It's a right question to be asking. It's right. If we're not asking it, then we're probably drowning in the culture around us. We need to be asking intentionally, God, how am I doing? Let the word be the searchlight. And then also we will have our elders and life group leaders over here on the side if you would like personal prayer. But as you guys begin to play, I want to pray a scripture over you guys. And would you just put your hands in a posture of really receiving? Paul told the Corinthians, he said, but it was not to us that God revealed these things 
by his spirit for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. It's the spirit that searches out everything. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. Lord, we thank you right now that we have received your spirit and it searches out the hearts and the minds of men. And we thank you, Father, that it is the spirit that leads us in all truth. We need to know your truth, God. These are dark days and there's a lot of hate in men's hearts and we need to look and we need to act and we need to feel and we need to think and we need to respond differently. We want to act in an opposite spirit of the world. We want to bring reconciliation. We want to bring hope. We want to bring peace to a hurting and lost generation, God. So we thank you that it is the Spirit that has been freely given to us that reveals your truth in our hearts, God. Line your word up to our hearts, God. Line your word up. Lead us in truth, in Jesus' name.